0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Sided Network. This is your host, Alex Pat alongside Adam McGinnis. We've been away for about a week. Sorry that you missed us, but we are back. We have a lot of spring training to talk about. We have the upcoming season to talk about. Stick with us. We'll have a good show for you tonight. Adam, how you
1: doing? Fantastic.
0: Good. Good to hear. Okay, so let's just get right into it, shall we? spring training. We're well into it. It's going to be winding down soon because the season starts in just a few weeks. Uh, It's kind of weird, in my opinion, that we're starting the season so early, especially with how bad we know the weather can be. But regardless, we are. The opening day game in Milwaukee is upon us. There's a lot of talk going on right now about What's going to happen with the games? Are fans going to be let in? And until we know for sure, I'm not going to really speculate. I mean, I have kind of an idea what might happen, but, you know, we haven't heard anything official, so I don't know what's really going to happen there. But I I feel like regardless, the season's going to start in a few weeks. I I don't think they can delay the start of the season. I really don't think they can. Um, So... For all intents and purposes, we're just gonna keep on talking like we're right on schedule.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's 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 probably for the same reason that that uh, NCAA basketball they they can't postpone either. I'm sure scheduling right. and TV contract stuff kind of prevents them from. Because my first thought was just push it back to to April or May or something, but I, I I'm sure that's that's probably an impossibility. For them, But the idea of games without fans is really weird. I think it's going to be really strange. Even watching it on TV is going to be strange because you're so used to the sound of crowds and people being loud when things are happening. I think it's going to be a really weird, kind of eerie feeling just having nothing but quiet in the background. And I mean, this is March Madness coming up. This is when the crowds are at an all-time hyped-up level. Yeah, yeah. You're really going to hear the shoes squeaking now. Squeak! Yeah. Yeah. It's going to it's it's basically it's going to sound like like your high school basketball practices did pretty much pretty Just much with, with a couple old old dudes talking over top, though.
0: Yeah. And you'll probably hear more of like the officials. You'll hear the players themselves talking yeah. on the floor. You'll hear the
1: coaches yelling on the floor. You'll yeah, hear plenty of that. It's going to it's going to be interesting to hear what what background noises are more prominent.
0: Yeah, and I can't help but wonder if, I mean, not during actual play itself, but I'm sure they'll have people there maybe trying to play as much music as they can and timeouts between, you know, pauses of play yeah, just to yeah. get some noise in the stadium.
1: Yeah, I, I'm sure you're right. I, I, without fans, I'm sure they'll have a lot more uh, extra stuff planned, a lot of filler stuff more than usual just to kind of fill that that void. Right, Exactly. So with baseball,
0: you know, again, we don't know what's gonna happen yet. We haven't heard anything as of we're recording right now, but with the way everything's going, I could say
1: wouldn't be surprised. You know what they could do? They what if they have like a like simulated fan noise the way they have laugh track on sitcoms they could do I something like that. that it would be kind of corny and kind of stupid but it on it might help to just make it feel a little more normal because right. it's gonna be weird it's gonna be really weird and i would think that that might actually affect their ratings quite a bit oh sure
0: absolutely i don't think there's any doubt about it i was kind of thinking that myself if he had like simulated crowd noise you know it's I don't like see it's, why not. Big I mean, it's
1: in all the video games it's on madden it's on mlb the show nba 2k they've got it in all those i don't i wouldn't think it would be too hard to add that to real games it just would feel really corny it would feel corny but yeah but i mean it might there might be, be something to that yeah
0: yeah or you put like forty thousand dummies no don't do that that'd be creepy <laughs> could you imagine that Like 40,000
1: crash dummies inside a stadium. That would just be plain creepy. That, I mean, that sounds like the plot of a horror movie or something. Oh yeah, pretty much.
0: Because you're batting the whole time you're thinking, okay, what if like one out of these 40,000 dummies is like a real person just sitting still waiting for us to, you know, something like that. Um, Yeah. But you know, honestly, honestly, I was thinking about getting tickets. For the Cubs home opener, Now I'm not even going to bother.
1: Yeah, I. My friends were, were talking about uh, going to some NCAA tourney games too because it, it, they're some of them are in Omaha, which which right. is which is not very far from where I'm at, and uh, so that's that's out the window now too. <laughs> yeah,
0: and uh, you know, as someone whose full time job, my full time job, is in the travel business. You can only imagine how much we're getting impacted by this whole thing.
1: Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, it's not a good time to travel. Not not a good time to. I I would be staying as far away from airports as possible. But, you know, other than that, I I think maybe we're all we're going a little too far with this. That's that's just my opinion. But it, this, all of this seems just a little bit excessive.
0: You know, I'm not a doctor. I really don't know Nor much about this whole thing. I think where I'm at right now is if medical professionals are concerned, then I'll I'll let them be the ultimate judges of this whole thing. Because, you know, I, I know yeah. that the virus affects people in different ways. And I know that obviously like the flu, older people or people with weaker immune systems are, you know, at, at more risk to it. Yeah, really,
1: but that doesn't really change anything, though. I mean, because I mean, it, thousands and thousands of people die from the flu every year, but they, they yeah, never... Yeah, but this, they is never, a, this is a whole new
0: virus. This is
1: a whole new virus, which our immune systems as a whole are not built for. It just, it seems, to me, it seems as simple as if you think you have a cold or the flu or something, then just stay home. Wash your hands. Just be smart. Well, that's I, part I mean, of the
0: problem. They said people could be carrying it without even knowing it, and if that's transmitted to someone who's more susceptible to this whole thing, that's how it could spread. I, I the guess. whole the whole point is to contain it. That's just, the thing. I mean, look look at other countries around the world. I mean, it's getting bad there.
1: I, it it just it feels it feels a little bit excessive. I mean, I, I could be I could be wrong, but I, I'm not sure that just canceling everything is totally necessary. The, well, the hysteria seems like it's gone a little bit far. I mean, even even me in college, uh, our university is talking about going away from in-person lectures and, and doing everything online now, which, I mean, that also seems a little bit ridiculous. Uh, and, you know, as as nice as it would be to to stay home every day and do everything from a computer. I, I think most people's classes would actually become a lot harder if everything was online. Well, uh, it definitely would. And not but... having, yeah, you know, not having one-on-one uh, recitation time, that all that kind of stuff. I, I, I just think that this, I don't know, maybe this is a little hasty. It's it's, it's precautions, I get it, but it, it's, a, it's a little irritating how everything has just kind of come to a halt.
0: I mean, it's definitely not convenient. It's definitely, you know, disappointing in many, many aspects. But you know what, yeah. if this thing, you know, you look at the death rate, if this is a deadly virus, then, you know, I'd rather be seeing a few inconveniences than catching yeah. a very serious
1: disease. I know here here in Lincoln, there's there's been one reported case, a uh, family that that returned from a vacation to London and the daughter brought coronavirus back with her and they've, they've got her in just in like a big tube right now, basically it's really sounds really sad to me. This girl is basically is just living in like a biohazard tube at the moment. But yeah, I mean, it's just wash your hands, guys, just wash your hands. And don't don't put your fingers in your mouth. Well, you know, hopefully that
0: this this can all help people develop better habits, better hygiene habits. I yeah. mean, for the better for everybody. I would hope so. so. Yeah. I mean, hygiene is very important. It's very very important, and now more than ever. And you know, the other thing too is is that when when you're in a big city, it's it's more more hyped up in a big city just because there's so many people. And I mean, viruses can spread very easily, very, very easily. Mm-hmm. So hopefully this doesn't last too long. We get it under control and things can kind of go back to being normal. It just feels like the next few weeks for anything just feels so uncertain because it's like one thing after another is getting shut down or canceled or postponed and We'll see what happens with baseball. It would be a real bummer. and But again, at this rate, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some of the games start with no people in the stands. But we'll see. That's, but, that's but again, I, going, yeah. I, yeah, but I feel like they're going to play regardless. So. I think they will too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so let's get into the Cubs themselves. Uh, we are about midway through spring training, cuts are being made. You kind of see who's doing well in spring and who isn't. And, you know, granted, stats are not very important in spring. Neither is record. But I think the performance of certain players is valued a lot more when they're the players who are like on the fringe or coming back from injury or just fighting for a spot. I mean, do you really we don't really care about Rizzo? Baez, Contreras, they're just trying to get back in the mm-hmm. swing of things. The only reason you kind of care about Chris Bryan is because he's got this new role at leadoff, but either way, you're not going to be too worried. But we're looking at guys like Albert Almora, Ian Happ, Tyler Chatwood, Alec Mills, uh, Craig Kimbrell, some of those people. Those are the guys we're really trying to focus on here, and the ones we're trying to get a sense of what they may or may not be in the regular season. Again, spring doesn't always indicate that, but. You see some goods and you see some bads.
1: Yeah, I think the other thing people are going to keep tabs on uh, as far as spring training goes is maybe who's going to be the opening day starter. And Ross has come out and said that it's going to be between either you Darvish or Kyle Hendricks. So that's that's the one that I'm keeping my eyes on at the Mm -hmm. moment.
0: Yeah, and you know, this kind of popped in my mind today when... I heard that. And maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe it's just me overthinking, just needing a narrative to talk about something. But I felt like that was an establishment from David Ross saying that our past relationships don't matter because some might go and think, oh, well, he's you know John Lester's longtime companion. Is he going to give him the opening day start no matter what? We're already seeing John Lester's not even in consideration. This is a guy who's been... The opening day starter for most seasons the past few years now yeah. it's he's not even in consideration right now
1: well and and it makes sense uh and if you think of it uh think of it from like a, a hitter's perspective uh you could be you can be an all-star for several years uh in the three or four spots uh but you know once you get up into your late 30s and your average dips and your power dips yeah uh, you may not be batting cleanup anymore and the, mm-hmm. it's the, you know it's it's the same principle for pitchers. Uh, you know it, people think of it as a respect thing, but I, I don't think that's really the case. Uh, but yeah, it, it's the same for pitchers. It, it, you get older, you don't have the same stuff you used to. you're not as productive as you used to be, and so you're not the opening day starter anymore. It's not a knock on John Lester. It's just the realities of getting older right. and you know, you could probably argue that somebody
0: else should have been starting opening day last year for that mm-hmm. same reason. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think so. I think so. Okay. So if you had to make the rotation right now, how would you make it out? One to five.
1: Um, I guess based on how spring training is going right now. And, and obviously this, this opinion is malleable. Uh, as of right now, I would go Hendricks, Darvish, Quintana, Lester, Chatwood. Okay. Okay. I mean,
0: I think that giving Kyle Hendricks the ball to start the season would be a move. I'd be in very much favor of, mm-hmm. but if they gave it to you, Darvish, I wouldn't complain either. I think both are deserving, yeah. but I think at the end of the day, the most deserving right now, based on spring is Kyle Hendricks.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because I think the last time that we talked about uh potential opening day starters, I believe I went with Darvish just because I I liked the, uh, the strikeout potential a lot. Uh, but now that, now that we're, we've moved into spring training further, just, just based purely on what Kyle Hendricks has done so far, I think it would be the smart decision to, to let him ride that momentum into the regular season.
0: Kyle Hendricks is in midseason form right now. He looks fantastic, which is weird for him. He's made
1: yeah, he usually gets off to a bit of a slow start. And man, if if, if he's midseason form by opening day. Whew. Yeah, you know,
0: it's funny because uh, Ron Coomer was talking about it on the radio this past weekend uh, when they were playing and being broadcasted on the radio. You know, Coomer was telling Pat that he'd been working since January and trying to build his strength up a little bit. So we might see a slightly stronger Kyle Hendricks this year, both That's physically and on thought. the mound. That's I know, isn't
1: it? Thought. It
0: is. It's pretty awesome. What then, if yeah. Kyle
1: Hendricks comes out on opening day and and hits like ninety nine on the radar on his first pitch? He just just goes, "Hey, look, look what I can do now." I would certainly, if I saw that on certainly TV, I would think it. I would think it was a glitch, either either on the radar or or just an error on 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 the television, but. <laughs> Well, I would say classic uh, Miller Park hot gun because it seems like
0: Miller Park's radar gun is always a few ticks over what it usually is. that's weird, isn't it? But yeah, yeah, you're right. That would be funny. But I mean, yeah, I think if you put him one and you Darvish two, I think that's perfectly acceptable.
1: And then you said Q3, Lester four, Chatwood five. Yeah, and I think Q and Lester, I think, are probably interchangeable. I'm not sure sure it really matters. Because either either way, you got lefty-lefty.
0: Yeah, I think I'd put Lester 3, Q4, personally. But I, I know what you're coming from. The five-starter, though. I'm kind of on the Alec Mills train. But I get Dar, uh Ch- Atwood is the veteran. Uh, I don't yeah. know. What, what are your overall thoughts on that?
1: Well... I mean, as much as we all want to believe that Chatwood can figure it out, you know, it, we have to we really have no choice but just to believe it when we see it. Uh, I think that you know there there's still a little room on the hype train. i I think there is still reason to believe, just just purely based off the stuff that Tyler Chatwood could put it all together and and actually have an effective season as a starter. And so I would like to see him get that chance just because I think the upside with Chatwood is higher than Alec Mills. Having said that, you know, if we end up seeing more of the same from Chatwood out of the starting spot like we did a couple years ago, then I'm all on board with getting somebody else like Alec Mills in there.
0: Yeah, you know, here's the thing. Chatwood is having a very good spring. Here's the other thing. He usually has a very good spring. Yeah. And and then the regular season comes and you you kind of go Yeah,
1: that's that's exactly I was gonna say the same thing. Chatwood had a pretty good spring in 2018. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's and we and we know what happened. So but I still I still would like to see him get that chance because I think having a fairly good year out of the bullpen last year could be a boost of confidence for him and maybe he's just got a better mentality now, get a little bit of his confidence back. I would like to see him get the chance at the very least. Well, if he does get the chance, I certainly hope that hype lives yeah. up
0: because I've said this before. He's got really good stuff. The movement yeah. on his yeah. pitches is unreal. Yeah, And he throws for pretty good velocity too. Mid-90s, if you have a mid-90s fastball that's dipping and diving, that's mm-hmm. hard to hit if it's in the zone. Yeah. Problem is, more often not, than not, not. zone, yeah. Is on the zone,
1: right? It, it, his his stuff as a starter in 2018 kind of reminded me a little bit of the tail end of Jake Arrieta on the Cubs, because the, there's so much movement to to his pitches, especially that curveball. And when he could mm-hmm. throw it for a strike, it was really nasty and oh, hard it was to wicked. hit. But towards the end of, of Arietta's tenure in the Cubs, he had a hard time actually putting that curveball in the zone. And hitters pretty much knew if it was off speed, they could just lay off of it and get a ball. And it was kind of the same way with Tyler Chatwood. Crazy movement on those pitches, but just couldn't locate them at all. Well, if you
0: remember, too, when Jake Arietta first came into the big leagues, location was his biggest issue. The stuff was always there. Yeah,
1: yeah yeah there the potential, yeah, it was always there, even in Baltimore. And he just needed the the right coaching to to get him straightened out. but but yeah, I see I see this similar sort of thing going on with Tyler Chatwood, but he never really ever at any point had it all under control, especially as a starter. Uh, and And if he doesn't end up being a starter on the Cubs, I think that's fine too. Because it, like we've talked about before, there's a lot of value in having long-form relievers who can give you multiple innings at a time. If things he you was get useful rough, in that role last year, yeah, yeah. So so having him in that role is valuable too, even if he can't be a starter.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. And just quick note about you, Darvish. We were just talking about you, Darvish. He is starting tonight against the San Diego Padres. Uh, so hopefully we'll get to see a little bit more from him. We haven't seen much of him because remember he was sick. He got tested and he's okay. He just had a little cough um, cause he had to miss his last start. He pitched in like a simulated game uh, at the complex. So he's only made, I think he's only made like one appearance. So he's going to be getting the start tonight and he'll be looking for pretty much the same stuff there. How's his velocity? What kind of pitches is he throwing? And, you know as long as that stuff looks good and he's getting swings and misses you'll feel pretty good because when he pitched against the brewers he gave up a home run but then he struck out a bunch of guys and the stuff was yeah. in the upper
1: 90s so yeah home giving up home runs in spring training doesn't bother me a ton what what is more concerning in spring training is giving up a ton of walks as long as you're not walking a bunch of guys, I, I think the, the home run issue, you can, you can kind of just sort that out along the way. It's, it's, I don't think it's a good idea to read too much into home runs in spring training. So, as far as that's concerned, I, I, I'm, I like what I see from Darvish so far.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you make an interesting point about the home runs because you look at a lot of times home runs are getting hit. They're like on the first pitch of an at bat and the batter is just swinging away and all the pitchers trying to do is get it over the plate. So yeah. it's like, OK, he was just trying to get throw a first pitch strike and, you know, he swung and hit it in the nice, warm Arizona air. Yeah, I, I definitely think you're
1: right on that. So, yeah, I mean, that's it, a really good point to make. And the other the other thing to consider there, too, is you know if you walk a guy that's that's 100 percent uh, on the pitcher. I mean, I guess you could make the case the catcher has something to do with that too. But if you walk a guy, that's that's entirely your fault. It's not always the case that giving up a home run means it was a terrible pitch. You know, some sometimes sometimes the batter just gets a hold of one, and 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 it's a really good swing, and it can still be the case that that you can hit a home run on a pitch that was located really well. It happens. So I mean, sure. it, that's the other reason why you can't read too much into the home runs.
0: Yeah, and so just to confirm with what I was saying a minute earlier, he's only made one appearance, Darvish has. He's pitched in two innings, and uh, he gave up that home run. But, yeah, then he started striking out some guys. He struck out three. That's good to see. Uh, Did not walk anybody, so that's good to see. Really, all he gave up was the home run. So you'll take that, definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. Here are a few other pictures I wanted to talk about. Uh this spring training. Now, I've preached patience, benefit of the doubt, all that good stuff. And that might still be the case here. But can we start worrying about Craig
1: Kimbrell? Yeah. I never I never really stopped. Worrying about Craig Kimbrell. From the moment we got him all the way up until this very moment, I, I've never really stopped worrying about Craig Kimbrell. No, that's fair. Um, you look at the numbers
0: so far. Two games. That's an inning and two-thirds. Three earned. Two homers. Four strikeouts. Um, but 16 2 ERA. So, like last year, the strikeouts are coming, but he's also getting hit hard. No walks, but again, it's a small sample size. And I know we just talked about home runs not meeting quite as much in spring training. But when things were kind of trending the wrong way, and he's given up four hits in one and two-thirds innings, three earned runs, you do worry a little bit. I I don't want to go full-out panic but mm, I, w- I wouldn't be lied if I am starting to worry a little bit.
1: Well, I mean, there's a reason why teams were were just completely out on him and what he initially asked for. Uh, and, and even when, when he basically cut his demands in half, there still weren't a ton of teams in on him, and the peripherals kind of showed that he was dropping off. And so this this skid that he's on it wasn't all that surprising i'm sure i'm sure most of us didn't expect it to be this bad but i don't think anybody you know expected prime craig kimbrell numbers not last other, year other, no otherwise he would have went off the market instantly but yeah i'm i'm worried about him and again like you said this is a small sample size and he's you know he's he's out to prove something so maybe that helps his mentality a little bit but He's he's just not the same guy that he was. And, you know, hopefully he can at least put it together to a degree that makes him a useful arm in the pen. But at this point, I'm not counting on getting uh, a shutdown closer out of Craig Kimbrell.
0: Here's something I can't help but wonder. If Craig Kimbrell in the season were a few months in and he's doing... Because I don't think he'll be as awful as last year, but he may not be that good. Like if he's just kind of meh, mediocre, if he's in that position and Jeremy Jeffress is looking really good, I just can't help but wonder if Ross might say, you know what, we're going to switch things up and we're going to put, you know, Jeffress as the closer or yeah. if Rowan Wick, if someone like that, because Jeffress has pitched in four innings He's got an ERA, again, small sample size, 225 ERA. He's struck out three. He's given up a run on, let's see, how many hits? Four hits. So if if Jeffress bounces back and he looks really dang good, I think you might have an alternate right there, a closer if things continue yeah. to go awry with Craig Kimbrell.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to that either. The problem sometimes is that, switching pitchers up from their their normal spot can really affect their psyche and I think you know Cubs fans should be used to that because I think we saw that with Hector Rondon I think the beginning of the end of Hector Rondon with the Cubs was moving him out of the closer spot Mm -hmm. I don't think he was ever really the same after he moved out of that spot and I, I would be afraid of that same thing happening to Craig Kimbrell I think you know he's been a he's been a closer his whole career. I think moving him out of that spot could negatively impact his his state of mind on the on the mound so and but, one thing
0: one thing's for sure he's going into the season as the closer,
1: yeah, hundred
0: percent here's another picture I want to talk about that's also concerning me a little bit for multiple reasons that's adbert Alzalai. And he's going back to minor camp. Five innings, ERA of ten eighty, giving up two home runs, seven hits, seven runs, six earned. He's got a two two zero WHIP and a three zero four average against. Four walks, five strikeouts. A guy who's battled injuries and hasn't really had a smooth transition to becoming a big leaguer because of that. And just I feel like every setback we see with him, the less and less. I feel like he's going to be a long-term piece of this team. I hope he is. I hope I'm. I hope I'm wrong because I think there's definitely potential there. But you know, when you're dealing with a lot of setbacks like this, it's hard to find any rhythm. And when you can't find any rhythm, it's hard to develop into a full-time big leaguer.
1: Yeah, not not what we wanted to see from him. We all went into spring training with high hopes that he could be uh, a big part of this bullpen staff and then yesterday we see that he gets cut and demoted down to triple a not not the the chain of events we were hoping for with him no we'll see what happens
0: there but boy we just can't seem to get a break with any starting pitching since kyle hendricks really when when i'm talking about like developing with the mm-hmm. system like yeah kyle hendricks started in the ranger system so that's, uh, we, we found some few relievers, but we haven't developed the starter in quite some time. And that's what they've been trying to do with Azalai.
1: They really have. Yeah. And we don't we're know not, what's
0: really going to come of it.
1: We're not really getting any good news at all on the bullpen front out of spring training. No, it, really not. Because I, I had, I had really high hopes for Rowan Wick too. And, and things are not exactly panning out there either. no.
0: I mean, I think the best I could say is Jeremy Jeffress in a very Mm -hmm. small sample size. Yeah. And then maybe, I guess if you look at Tyler Chatwood or Alec Mills, they're both doing well. One of those guys is going to be in the bullpen. And I think more likely than not, it's going to be Alec Mills. So if Alec Mills is doing well, then, you know, hopefully you have something there. But boy, when you're worried about your closer,
1: when you don't really
0: know how the rest of your structure is going to be,
1: yeah. That's rough, and it's just based on how spring training has gone, the unfortunate reality is the Cubs are going to have to roll with some guys who had bad springs.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, you don't really have much of an option.
1: No, not at all.
0: Okay, so let's go to the offensive side of the ball. We're kind of seeing what we thought we'd see. The main guys doing whatever. Guys you hoped that would be a big part of the future, doing well, and then a lot of the depth just kind of not very good. So I'm talking like Ian Happ. You hope he's going to be a longtime part of the future. He is raking in spring training. 481, 500, slugging 815 with an OPS of over 1.3. He looks fantastic. You look at Victor Caratini, 421, 500, 737. Josh Fegley, who might be either your third catcher or your first backup from AAA, he's not going to hit in the regular season. But just the fact that he's looking good is a nice thing to see. You're seeing this kid, Ian Miller, who no one's really ever heard of batting 394, 474. He might be earning himself a spot. Sousa Jr. looks pretty good. 300, 391, 400. You hope he bounces back. El looks pretty good overall. And then you get, like, the bench veteran guys you have, like Descalso, not hitting. Perez, not hitting. Robel Garcia, who was sent down, not hitting. Zach Short, not hitting. Can't really hold much against Miguel Amaya because he's a 20-year-old kid, so he's got a long way to go to develop. Jason Kittness. Not really hitting.
1: I i mean, you kind of expected all that, right? Yeah. I mean and some things you just you, you take with a grain of salt because it's spring training, but but on on the plus side, I really do like seeing Ian Hap break. Me? And, too. and 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 if he could keep that up and and be that type of player in the regular season, that's huge for the Cubs uh i wouldn't mind seeing him get that center field job i'm kind of rooting for him to do that uh but yeah i mean it, if ian hap can can get it figured out and 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 sort of fill fill that big hole that he had in his swing last year then then he's he's a really a serious major league piece for them yeah and they could really use it too here is
0: here's kind of what i was thinking You're looking at Ian Miller having this great spring training. He's only played 12 games in the big leagues and he's in his late 20s. I'm not saying he's going to suddenly be a great major leaguer, but I just, I feel like at this point, go with the kids that are doing well in spring and just kind of cut ties with the Descalso's and the Hernan Perez. I just, I, I I see Mm. Descalso and I see someone who's completely washed.
1: Maybe that may be true, but I mean, you at least you at least know what Perez and Descalso can be capable of. They're they're fairly proven MLB guys. Ian Miller to me kind of feels like a, a spring wonder. Like he's going to come back down to earth really soon, especially if he plays in the regular season. But I I, I don't totally disagree with you that you you ride you ride the hot streaks while you can, even if that's transitioning from spring to regular season. But to me, to me, this feels sort of just like, you know, you see, you see no-name guys rake in spring training all the time, and it doesn't always amount to, to anything in the regular season.
0: Right. And I get that. And that's definitely a good point. That's something I'd always bring up in this scenario, but the way I'm seeing it is what are you going to get from Daniel the at this
1: point? It looks like a whole well, lot of nothing. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I think it's it's a wait-and-see type situation. Because, it, you know, if you go with Descalso, it's not like you're stuck with him.
0: Well, it's it, like if Ian Miller gets a shot and he does nothing, then okay. But if Ian Miller gets a shot and he does something decently well... Are you really going to look back and say, man, we could have had him and Daniel the Scalso in the lineup? Or, oh, man, what if we had Daniel the We'd be doing even better. Or even if he doesn't do well, it's like, oh, man, we got rid of Daniel the Scalso for this guy. Well, I just I, I don't see Daniel the Scalso giving
1: much more at this point see, than anyone else could really give. See, the, the thing is, though, for me is is if you're counting on either Ian Miller or Daniel Descalso to be high impact then your season's already done. That's 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 my point is that either way it just it feels uh just kind of like a non-factor really. I mean do you really believe uh, if Ian Miller produces, do you really believe that he's that much of a difference maker?
0: Depth is important. We saw it last year. One of their biggest downfalls was they had no depth, no production from it. I'm and, just and, saying.
1: Yeah, and and you're right. And I'm fine. I'm fine with giving Ian Miller a shot. But it to me, to me, it feels, you know, I think it's low risk, but I think it's low reward, too, to be honest with you.
0: Well, I think it might be low reward in the sense of there isn't much reward to give with the depth we have. I don't think we can expect much, but go back and watch 2016 and go back and watch last year. It's like anyone who came off the bench was a threat. Like yeah. even guys like Matt Caesar and Tommy Stella could do something. Last year, your bench was down on the scale. So Addison Russell, Robel Garcia, it huge difference and that's
1: one of the reasons they were so bad i just they think, had no depth i just think that if daniel discalso is fully healthy then he feels he feels like a, a little bit of a safer bet to me if he's uh, fully healthy
0: uh, but if you've watched
1: those spring training at bats they are awful yeah but it's it's still just spring training and there's some time left yeah, but he's a 230 career hitter. He was awful last year. I've, I've really tried to give this guy a I, second chance, but I I'll just don't see it. Yeah, but I guarantee, I guarantee you if Ian Miller's on the Major League roster this year, he ain't hitting over 230 either. Of course I guarantee not. It.
0: Of course not. He probably wouldn't even do that well, frankly. I don't expect much from him. I just I just feel like you got to cut some of the dead weight. And I hate to say it about the scale soak site. He seems like a really good guy. And he's, he had a decent run for a few years in Arizona and in Colorado, but, and there's no doubt last year that a lot of his downfall was due to the injury, but you look at the injury, you look at his age, you look at his overall numbers. He's more of a veteran utility, man, not much of a hitter and they need more offense.
1: Yeah. It, it it just it it's a it's a scary conversation because to me it, it it feels like and if we're worrying about the difference between Descalso or somebody like Miller then it, it things already feel a little bit grim.
0: That's the problem. That's that's yeah. why the season feels yeah. kind of uncertain. I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you that that's a problem. It certainly is. I think no matter what who you put in there, the depth is really subpar the only way I think it gets better is if you call up some guys and they end up making an impact. I mean, if you want my full honesty, the way I see it right now, I think that if down the road we bring back up Nico Horner and if Kipnis is struggling, I just think he's
1: going to get cut gone. Probably. I mean, Kipnis, Kipnis, you know, more than anybody else is definitely on a prove it basis. Right. Cubs right now. I mean, there's, if he if he doesn't produce, if he doesn't uh, carve out a spot, there there's zero reason to keep him around. Not especially not just because he's a well known name. Yeah, I mean his defense looks
0: good. He's a nice welcome presence on the team. And again, like Descalzo, he's a welcome guy on the team. And you know, I think Descalzo. If you want my opinion, I think Dan Descalzo has a very bright future in coaching if he's going to become a coach, I could definitely see him being a good manager someday or a bench coach or something. But, you know, I, I feel like sometimes you got to move past the whole, he's a good veteran presence and you just need production. It's just, where are you going to get it from?
1: That's a good point. I I think it, it depends, depends on, on the shape of your team. You know, if, if you're, if you're well set in a lot of areas, then then having that veteran presence is something you can afford and some maybe something you need. But in the Cubs' case, they're so they're so lacking in consistency and productivity in certain areas that that maybe you're right. You can't sacrifice uh, a sure thing for veteran presence. Right, and I mean, Veter- yeah, veteran presence. That's that's a good point that you make. That veteran presence on a team is maybe slightly overrated in the sense that it's kind of a luxury that certain teams can afford and certain other teams can't. And it kind of, right now it kind of feels like the Cubs are in a position where they that's a luxury they can't really afford.
0: Yeah, and if you go like a step further with that, you could say it's more essential to have veteran presence on an upcoming young team like they were in 2015 or 2016 yeah. even. But at this point, they're not that young team anymore. They've been around the block.
1: Right, yeah, it's 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 just win time, and that's it for the Cubs. There, there is no more learning curve for young guys. It's just win, and that's it.
0: Right, and plus you have David Ross as your manager, who, as cheesy as this sounds, in a way, will kind of be like your veteran presence guy. And you mm-hmm. still have Rizzo, you still have Lester, you don't have Ben Zobrist anymore, and Ben Zobrist was the perfect, 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 perfect blend of good player and veteran presence. He's been around camp, which is cool, but he's not going to be suiting up in a uniform on the roster. No, maybe he'll come back as some sort of coach someday with the Cubs. But you know, right now he's retired unless he's helping out at spring training. So, you know, that's obviously gonna be missed, but you still have veteran presence guys. And you know, sometimes you just need production and you know what? It sounds like Steven Souza is a very welcome presence on this club right now. So take that too. And, you know, maybe he has a decently productive year. If he's fully healthy, I, I definitely think he can yeah. be a part of the team. Yeah. In a good if, way. He,
1: if he's healthy, that he could be a great depth piece for sure.
0: Yeah. Like I said, right now he's uh, hitting well. Again, it's spring training, but 300, 391, 400 is nothing to gawk at. So you hope he can come around. I don't think he's going to be batting 300 uh, during the regular season. He's not that type of guy. But if he gives you a little
1: bit of pop, you'll take that. Yeah. I mean, it just, the thing with spring training is my philosophy has always been, uh, you know, you you don't you don't completely ignore the bad stuff but but you don't you don't discredit the good stuff either i mean of course not uh, yeah the, the the general idea is just don't read too much into anything but i mean at the same time you know you you don't ignore the success either you you don't you don't brush it off as nothing necessarily
0: right exactly so a few more games we have left to play before the regular season We'll see how the roster ends up fully shaping out. We'll see who gets those last few spots. Will it be Descalso? Will it be Perez? Will it be Ian Miller? We'll see. Uh, The nice thing knowing, though, is that as time goes on in the season, the roster you put together will not be the way it looks probably even within a month or so because I feel like if they – do hold Nico Horner out. He'll be back in May because he'll get that full year of control. And, you know, maybe the makes the roster and maybe he does start playing at least decent enough to stay on it. We don't know. Um, Again, I'm not counting on it, but it it could happen. I I suppose. So you'll kind of see how things shape out. And unfortunately there are injuries too. So you do have to deal with that. But I mean, long story short, I feel really good about the core itself. It's just the supporting cast that really worries me. It's a lot of older injury prone, unproven borderline guys who are either past their prime going past their prime, uh, had a prime, but are seeing it kind of cut short because of nagging injuries. Just a lot of uncertainty on it.
1: Yeah. I think as long as the core stays fairly healthy, then I'm not overly concerned with the state of the depth. The bullpen is really what worries me most because with with depth pieces, that's something that you you can kind of fix along the way. The bullpen just kind of is what it is, and that's a lot harder to reshape as the season goes along. And so that's what scares me the most by far.
0: Yeah, bullpens are reshaping a lot through a season, but doing it efficiently
1: is not always easy. Sometimes you get lucky and it works. Sometimes it doesn't. There's just, there's really no, there's really no quick fix for bullpen issues. You, you just kind of ride the hides, the highs and lows as they come. And your hands are just kind of tied. It feels like, I mean, there's, there's not a lot you can do to drastically change your bullpen quickly. Right. The one time we did see that work really well,
0: um, just, as a whole, I mean, obviously, in 2016 they went out and got Chapman. Before the 2017 season, they went out and got Wade Davis.
1: But I mean, we're talking like bullpens as a whole. It's kind a of team. a top, yeah. It's kind of a top to bottom issue for the Cubs, though, in the bullpen. You know, it'd be absolutely. One thing, it would be one thing if there was just one or two glaring spots, but uh, this is kind of a top to bottom productivity issue. Exactly. Like I said, one of the few times
0: we saw that really work well was 2015 because if you remember in 2015 Theo went out and got Trevor Cahill Fernando Rodney Clayton Richard and he made that work and it, it worked very well you used Hector Rondone in his prime because let's face it 2015 was his prime year he was really stinking good that year and then you, Pedro Strope was coming into his own You even used old James Russell efficiently every now and then, and that was kind of a surprise, but it worked. You were able to piece together a bullpen with some veteran guys who were thought to be past their best days, and they ended up being plugged in and worked, whereas a few other years, you had a lot of hit and misses. Yeah, you found some of your Rowan Wicks and your Kyle Ryans, but you also had some experiments that didn't work out as well. You had a really good arm in Morrow, but then he got hurt and has been never able to come back again. And countless other experiments that didn't work well in the bullpen at all. So it's it, bullpens are so fickle. It's such an easy thing to fix or not an easy thing to fix.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, come, come trade deadline time. There's so many teams hurting for help in the bullpen. that The price of guys on the trade market are so high. I mean, it it really does pain you to see how much teams give up for relievers, I think. But that's that's the the unfortunate reality is is you have to give up a lot to get good bullpen arms on the at the trade deadline because it's such a hot commodity, such a scarce resource in the league that it, it really is hard to do something about it. And which, I think, which, you know, which takes us back to being able to develop guys in your own system. That It's mm-hmm. so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I look at Craig Kimbrell,
0: and I look at him needing to bounce back for so many reasons. One of those reasons is if he has a really stinking good year and he's got a lot of value and the Cubs are out of it, you darn well believe Theo's going to go out and try to trade him for value in return because you've seen what high-end closers can get in return. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Look what we gave up for Aroldis Chapman. It was worth it, but we gave up a lot. Yeah, a Look way, at what the Indians it, gave in up way, for it mi- hurts, uh, Andrew yeah. Miller. It's, it doesn't hurt me. We got a World Series.
1: It's, you know i I see him I see him playing at an all-star level for the Yankees and it 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 kind of gets to me a little bit I wouldn't I wouldn't change anything about what happened. I wouldn't trade I wouldn't trade the World Series trophy for it, but you know sometimes you look at him and go, God, if he was on the Cubs right now, how amazing would that be? I suppose what really is most irritating about it is that the Yankees ended up with both of the guys They got him and they ended up getting Chapman back and just because it's the Yankees that really just irks me in a way that it might not if it was a different team
0: yeah that's the yankees that's the yankees i mean for me i could I, this i could care less about glaber torres but you know I, i'll be honest with you seeing eloy jimenez on the south side and likely dylan Cease, that to me
1: is gonna sting for a while those guys are are still fairly unproven at the moment, though. And it, Eloy Jimenez has some holes in his game that he hasn't hasn't quite fixed yet. And yeah, like, but he's know, only what twenty three, and he's right. hammering all those bombs. I mean, right, right. I, I mean, just as far as players, the Cubs have given away. I, Glaber hurts more because Glaber looks more like the sure thing. Well, I think Glaber's a better player, but. We won the World Series.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Woo-hoo. And the other thing, too, is, and this is just me, and I'm just saying for the record, I do not hate the White Sox. I'm not wishing them any ill, but it's the fact I that, do.
1: well, congratulations. Just kind, of, <laughs> kind of trashy. Kind of a trashy team. I I don't know. I really liked what they've done.
0: I I didn't like White Sox teams of like the early 2010s when it was still like AJ Perzinski and whatever was left there. Though I felt bad for Paul Canerico because I've always loved Paul Canerico. But I really like the team they have now. But my whole point is being in Chicago,
1: you're going to see what the Cubs once had every day. Yeah. Is it going to pan out as a whole though? I mean, because that's the thing that's, Annoying about the White Sox is that every year for like the past four years we've heard that the White Sox are going to be really special, but every year they just they they're just barely mediocre or not even mediocre. And so I I think at this point I'm just annoyed with hearing about how great the White Sox are going to be because I I'm not buying it yet.
0: Well, I mean they still have a lot to prove. There's no doubt about that, but. I mean, look at all the talent they've gotten together this year. I mean, it's 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 noticeable, and I definitely think they will be improved. Um, but you know, again, I, I'm just really talking about Eloy Jimenez himself, the asset yeah. that the Cubs once had, and Dylan Cease. I have no idea what Dylan Cease is going to be. I, I think it, I think if I were to pick one, that's probably going to be better, or at least more certain. I think it's going to be Eloy Jimenez. Um, I mean, again, my probably. whole point, my whole point is just that. I will see Eloy Jimenez crush every day where Glaber Torres, unless I'm watching national TV, I won't see that every day. And whenever I see Glaber Torres, I just, I think about that world series parade that went down Michigan Avenue. And yeah, you know, I, I still, I still think it was the right well, move at the time to get Quintana, but well, I do too. Well, it's the, just the,
1: been disappointing on our end. The thing is what, I mean, what makes it hurt worse watching Glaber is this is the fact that, the Yankees could very easily make it to the World Series. I don't see the White Sox winning uh, 85 games. So, I mean, you yeah. You don't? It's, oh, no, I think I, no, I don't. I don't. I don't think the White Sox are going to have a winning record. Really? Wow. Really. Oh. I, I, Yeah. I, is that even a bold prediction? I think the White Sox yeah. are going to win, like, 78, 79 games. I think they're going to be a good team. I mean,
0: mm, they've I added Yasmatic Randall.
1: Mediocre. They've added, I mean... Because Money Grandal doesn't add that many wins, I don't think.
0: Yeah, but Edwin Encarnacion, Dallas Wash. Keisel. I, if Luis Robert is the real deal, that kid is going to be an MVP someday.
1: Look at thing about. That's the thing about the White Sox. This is the same thing every year. A bunch of ifs that never end up panning out. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I, that division is so bad, and I think they're clearly better well, than those teams. that's true. you are going to beat it's, the crap out of that team. It's probably the worst division in baseball, and, that yeah, I guess they've got that on their side. I mean, they're think about it. The Tigers are one of the worst teams I've ever seen. The Royals
0: yeah. are terrible. The Indians aren't good anymore. That White Sox well, the, team, even if, even the if they're not the top snap, of the dog, drop. yeah, exactly. I mean— even if the White Sox aren't the top team in the AL, they're going to beat the crap out of those teams. And you know yeah. what? I'm going to say it. I don't think the Twins are that good either. They do that oh. thing every
1: year where they have a good year, bad year, good year, bad year. They do it Man, every year. Their pitching I, isn't good. I just I think as far as just that division is concerned, I think the Twins are going to smoke the White Sox. I don't, that's not going to be a close race, I don't think.
0: Oh, I think that I think the White Sox are going to crush their pitching, but I maybe, also think the Twins are going to crush
1: the White Sox pitching maybe, as well. Maybe now is betting time. I don't know what we bet, but I, I'm I'm taking I'm taking the under on 80 wins for the White Sox. All right, I'm taking over. What's the All bet? Right. <sighs> what should the bet be? I, it, 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 I don't I don't know if we want to do just money because that's not that interesting. Really, no, no. I think one of us has to do something embarrassing on periscope or something or, like that or owe oh the other person something not money but something else yeah so okay so we we can figure this out at, at a later time i guess sure we, there's we plenty can, of plenty yeah, of we, season we can take some time to figure out what this bet is going to be but but for now the the, the bet is 80 wins over or under i'm going under okay going I'm going under. all right
0: way over I'm really high on the rebuild the White Sox are doing. I know you're not, but I am. But you know, we'll see. We'll see. Nothing's nothing's set in stone. I just think the the White Sox have finally made the right moves because they haven't made any moves. That's that's the problem. The past few years, they've done nothing in terms of making moves. They'd sign, like washed up guys on minor league deals, and that's about it.
1: They've yeah. actually made moves this offseason. Yeah. Is it gonna matter? Doubt it. But that's just Mm. my opinion. But my opinion is correct. I don't know. I don't know. I do. Do you? I do. Really? Really?
0: Really, really, really. So what are you going to say when the white... If history is...
1: I'm not going to have to say anything. I'm not going to have to say anything because I'm not going to be wrong. You really don't think the White Sox are gonna be that good. No,
0: I don't. Have you seen Yuan Moncada? Yeah. He's a stud. Have one good seen...
1: player does not a World Series contender make. Yasmani Grandal. Washed. Washed. He had one of the best seasons last year. <laughs> I know, I know. He's he was a good addition. I don't I think people are, are sort of overestimating his total value to that team though. Uh, I mean, the
0: only thing I could say about the Sox is my biggest concern for them is I don't think their defense is going to be very good. I also think that you're going to see a little regression. I still think Tim Anderson will be very good, but I think you're going to see a little regression from him.
1: Yeah. Tim Anderson, he's not going to have that same kind of season. That feels, that feels like a one-off one season wonder type thing. I mean, mean, he will still be all right. Yeah, Yeah. he'll still be a good player, but he won't be winning the batting title. I'll I'll say this for the White Sox. If coronavirus prevents any fans from being able to go to the games, they'll have an advantage there because they're already used to playing in a a stadium with no people watching.
0: Oh, I just knew you were going to pull that joke at some point. (laughs) Have I gotten predictable? Yeah, you kind of have. You need some new material, my friend.
1: it, It had to be said. It had to be said.
0: Get some new material. Ooh.
1: We don't have any White Sox fans listening anyway. Uh, it, it, you know, if we do, it, it's people, Chicago residents, who like to root for both teams, which is just totally unacceptable and really weird. <laughs> you know, figure, figure some things out. Probably go to confession, but...
0: Yeah, I, I, I... I don't mind people who are like, yeah, I'm a diehard. I don't really root for the other team, but, you know, good for them for winning or whatever. But if you're like a diehard. Oh, no, don't.
1: No, there there, there is no there isn't. You can't be a diehard fan of one team and, and kind of root for and pull for the other team. It doesn't I'm work like that. Saying, I'm not even saying rooting. I'm just saying, like, if one team won and you're rooting for the
0: other and you just were kind of unbothered by it and said whatever. No. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No.
1: No, 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 no. It's kind of it's kind of like in the same vein as as rooting against your high school rival. You know, when it's down to just the way when your team is out, you just don't the do heck it. Who cares about high school
0: rivals?
1: I'm just making a comparison here. Is all I'm the doing. Terrible comparison. It's the same principle. No, it's, it's not. not. No, it's not. It's the White not- Sox. The White Sox are not your friendly neighbor that you root for if you're a Cubs fan. They're the enemy. I didn't, say, I didn't they're the say enemy. It, they're not the enemy. They are a enemy, they, not maybe not they, the enemy but a enemy. They are not rivals. A, I don't care what
0: anybody says. In a way they
1: are, in a no. way they are,
0: in a no. way they are. Yes they, they are. Play
1: in a different league, in a different division. So
0: I don't care about thing. what they do. It's a pride
1: thing. It's not you know, they don't have to play each other all the time for it to be a rivalry. It's, a, it's kind of a, you know, it's a bragging rights thing. It, every They both want to be the better Chicago team, but only one of them is right now. Yeah, I say you root for one, you don't care about the other. No, you root for one and you despise the other. Why? This is the natural order of things. It's just unfathomable to me, being like a casual White Sox observer and, and hoping they do well. I don't get it. I don't want them to... I want them to just crash and burn, and so it's 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 <laughs> yes. not even it's not even it's not even just bias in that way that I think the Sox will win less than eighty <laughs> games. I just really genuinely am not optimistic about them, like so many people are. Well, you're not optimistic about many things. This is true. I, I, I'm realistic about everything, though. <laughs> I just don't always tell you what you want to hear. <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> yeah you know, this is just some much needed perspective for white Sox fans but but you know like like i said they're they're used to playing in quiet and quiet ball fields so they've got a leg up there
0: well i think they'll be filling up a little more if they do end up winning but we'll see what happens there um i mean i mean a to be honest the last few years if you were a White Sox fan, there was no reason to watch that team. It was bad, no, it was really bad, yeah it was ugh. may not
1: it's not going to be as bad this year, but it's not going to be good either and i'll I'll leave it at that. I've said my piece on the White Sox. yeah, I mean, they won't be the worst team
0: in Chicago. that's the Bulls, and people are not are starting to not show up there. I don't know if you've seen any pictures on Twitter, uh,
1: but I don't follow the NBA very closely at all. Well, they suck and they're a joke. Garbage so. League. They're they're bad. They're just they're really, yeah.
0: really bad. It's really been, really been a sad, 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 sad year for Chicago sports. Just all yeah. across the board. Yeah, I... Yeah, it's that's true. I mean, between the Bears and the Cubs and the Bulls and the Blackhawks toying with us every other week, uh, it's just been... Oh, it feels bad, man. Feels yeah. bad. Yeah, true. Well, that's going to pretty much wrap things up here on Climbing the Ivy. I want to thank you all for listening. I want to remind you all you can check out Cubby's Crib at com. You can check out this podcast at iTunes.com. Also, check out Cubby's Crib Twitter and Facebook pages. They post all their content on there. Until next time, he's Adam. I'm Alex. Have a great night.